Let's pray. Creator God, open our ears to hear you speak words of life into our lives. Open our eyes to see you present among us in all things. And open our hearts to make you welcome this Christmas tide. Amen. I have to say that whenever I hear the opening verses of John's Gospel read, my mind drifts back half a century to my teenage years at secondary school in Cambridge. We used to have our annual school carol service in Great St Mary's Church, which many of you will know, in the town centre. And it was always a wonderfully festive occasion of lessons and carols, with Bible readings, poems, congregational carols, and musical contributions from the school choir and orchestra. And one year, we even had a new carol specially written for the school choir by a young and relatively unknown composer whose name was John Rutter. The final Bible reading in that service every year would always be the passage that Ian read to us this evening, the opening verses of John's Gospel. And it was always read by our rather formidable headmistress. It was a girls' school. Her name was Miss Bedson, and she read it with great reverence and mystery in a hushed, slightly awed voice. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as a teenager, I remember thinking that I couldn't really make much sense of this opening passage of John's writing. It seemed so different from the more familiar stories about Jesus' life or Jesus' teaching passages in the Gospels. But the manner in which Miss Bedson read John 1 verses 1 to 14 suggested that despite their mystery to me, these words held great poetic beauty and deep meaning for her. And half a century later, I can still hear her reading that passage today. As the decades have passed, I too have come to understand and appreciate more of the beauty and meaning that she found in John's words. John was writing his gospel towards the end of his life, many years after the events of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, which had been such a powerful influence on him when he was a young man and became one of Jesus' closest followers. Now, as an old man, probably in exile far from the place of his birth, John has had a lifetime to reflect on his experience, not just of those three years, with all that he heard and all that he saw in his encounter with the rabbi from Nazareth, but in the many decades that followed. Unlike Matthew, Luke or Mark, John is less concerned with writing an accurate and comprehensive account of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. John's gospel is different from theirs. And if you are here in church on Sunday morning, you'll recall David Wadsworth's imaginative and thought-provoking reflections on the different perspectives taken by Matthew and Luke <laughs> in the way they chronicled the nativity story and what it means. John takes an altogether different perspective. His concern is for his readers to be able to grasp the underlying meaning and significance 
of the coming of Jesus into this world. Even though John was an eyewitness to Jesus' adult life and ministry, his gospel is not so much about the specific events that took place in a particular slice of time and space 2,000 years ago. Instead, John seeks to lead us beyond time and space into eternity and towards considering the very nature of God, who God is and what God does. So to do this, John takes us back to basics, back to the beginning of all things, His first three words, in the beginning, deliberately echo the opening words of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis speaks of a creator God, of a God who gives life to the universe, of a God who creates light from darkness and form out of chaos of a God who crafts a home for all the created wonders and beings that result from his creative energy and loving purposes. And John makes clear that there eventually comes a moment in time and in human history when God chooses to step into this world that he's created and sustained to share in its life and to identify with its inhabitants in a new and much more relational way. John's message is something quite extraordinary. That word of God, which was at work in the very beginning of all things, who spoke all things into existence, chooses to inhabit human form to reveal more clearly God's nature and God's love. God becomes flesh, taking on our human body and nature with all its complexities and frailties. The Christian church has invented a technical and theological term to describe this truth, the incarnation. But John uses a far more accessible and evocative phrase to describe what happened. John says that in the person of Jesus, God made his dwelling among us. Literally, God pitched his tent in our neighborhood amidst all the mess and confusion of our daily living. Biblical scholar Tom Wright puts it like this, whatever else John is going to tell us in his gospel, he wants us to see his book as the story of God and his world, not just the story of one character, Jesus, in one place and one time. This book is about the creator God acting in a new way within his much-loved creation. It is about the way in which the long story, which began in Genesis, reaches the climax the creator always intended. And it will do this through the word. In Genesis 1, the climax is the creation of humankind made in God's image. But in John 1, the climax is the arrival of a human being, a human baby, the word become flesh. 
that human baby, the father's only son, is full of grace and truth. He is the light of the world and the life of all people. He will be named Jesus, a name full of meaning, for he will grow up to save his people. And we shall remember that in our communion this evening. But he is also Emmanuel, which means God with us. In his reflections in this opening chapter to his gospel, John is keen not just to explain how God comes to dwell among us in a new and mysterious way. He also has something important to say to each one of us about seeing clearly, about having eyes, minds and hearts that are open to see the light, to perceive the glory, the grace and the truth about Jesus. John knew from his own time spent with Jesus and from his experience over the many years that followed that not everyone to whom Jesus came recognised him as coming from God. The witness of John the Baptist had been instrumental in John's own journey towards belief in Jesus as God's son. But John acknowledges that many did not recognise who Jesus was. The world did not recognise him. And in the remainder of his gospel, John seeks to set out the key signs in Jesus' life that point to him as Emmanuel, God with us. In our own time, people still struggle to perceive Jesus' presence in our midst or to perceive him for who he really is, Emmanuel, God with us. In the chaos of our daily living, in our uncertainty over the future, or in the darkness of personal tragedy or loss, it can be easy for our eyes to become clouded so that we lose sight of the truth that in and through Jesus, God chooses to be present with his people in all circumstances and for all time. We are not alone. We are not abandoned. God is with us and we are held safe within his love. So this Christmas tide, I wonder what you will see in the nativity story. I wonder whose perspective you will identify with. Will you be like Mary and Joseph? who despite disrupted dreams and unpromising prospects, nevertheless had eyes and hearts to discern where God was at work. Their response was to participate in God's plan as the parents of his son, and they knew themselves to be beloved children of a loving father in their own right. Or will you be like the shepherds who see in the Christ child the Lamb of God himself? And in doing so, discover the reassurance and the hope that however unimportant or marginalised they may feel, they are greatly loved by the great shepherd. Or will you be like the Magi from the East, who excitedly grasp the big picture, 
who sense the cosmic significance of this tiny baby wrapped up not simply in swaddling clothes, but inextricably entwined with a world and a universe that is shaped and sustained according to the loving purposes of its creator, king and saviour. As you look into the manger, I wonder who you see. The king of creation? The light of the world? The lamb of God? The son of the father? God with us? And how do you respond to what you see? Are you prepared to trust what your eyes are telling you and to live in the light of that revelation? It's traditional in a service such as this one for reflections on the Bible passage to be followed by a creed or statement of faith which speaks confidently of what we believe about God and about our relationship with him. But this evening I thought we might find reassurance and encouragement by doing something a little different, by listening to some music and watching some accompanying images on screen. The music and the images speak to us of places and situations in life where God is there, where God chooses to be with us. Places and situations where, just like Mary and Joseph, just like the shepherds and the Magi, we can discern God's presence and his power if we just have eyes to see. Places and situations in which we too are called every day to cooperate with God's loving purposes for his world with open hearts, just as the characters in the story of the Nativity did. <laughs> 